Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Uh, Today is an exciting show because I am going to be kicking off uh, 2020 player profiles. For folks who uh, have been following the podcast or listening to the podcast uh, for a while, last year I did a series of kind of in-depth profiles where I just dug into a lot of the uh, numbers uh, behind different hitters and pitchers, and uh, they were pretty hardy uh, p- profiles, I guess you could say, um, about 15 minutes each. And so my goal this year is really to cut down on that. Uh, I have never been good at cutting down on uh, the <laughs> the the amount of analysis, I guess you would say. Um, and I say that just as a uh, just because I'm I don't know why I just want to add more and more and more and more data as we get more information. But I'm really going to try to keep it to the the stuff that I find the most relevant in kind of defining or or thinking about the narrative for a player heading into 2020. Uh, as with any type of profile, there's never any set in stone anything, right? When we look at projections, even we're talking about the 50th percentile median projection. And so there are reasons why a player might do well. There are reasons why a player might do poorly. And I'll try to tackle that in addition to just kind of overall whether I like the player or not. Uh, so maybe what are some of the reasons why they might be successful next year? What are some of the reasons why they uh, might take a step back or or not be successful next year? So hopefully you will find that helpful. Um, I'm going to try to do these, yeah, pretty quick. Maybe a couple, two, three, four, maybe more a week, depending on the amount of time um, that I'm able to. But uh, well, I did something last year which uh, I enjoyed, which was... Um, Uh, And I hope uh, folks also enjoyed. But for folks who are listening to the show, um, if you leave a five-star rating and review um, on iTunes for the show, um, then you can choose one of the subsequent players to be... Uh, to be analyzed on an uh, on the next show or an upcoming show, and it, just depending on the number of people who do that, uh, it's always fun. Number one, it's nice you know to get uh, more reviews of the show. It helps spread the word. It helps with the algorithm. It helps more people find the show. Um, and then also, you know, I really really appreciate it when people, um, you know, when people uh, when people are appreciative of the show and help me out. And so, uh, in doing so, I would love to help you out too. So. If you do leave a five-star rating and review for the show, um, please just hit me up on Twitter, uh, DM me, let me know the player that you'd like me to cover um, and that you did that, and uh, we will move on from there, see how that works, um, at least for the first little bit. But I am going to also try to cut down on the intro of this, so this will be the last long intro in this player profile series. I'm really going to try to do um, quick and to the point. So with that in mind, let's get this party started with Kevin Biggio and Griffin Canning. All right, Kevin Biggio seems like a good uh, player to start off with as the as the first player being profiled in 2020 because I really feel like there there's a lot going on with Biggio and I feel like there's some reasons why he may be more successful than his 2019 MLB debut next year and there might be some reasons why he might take a little bit of a step back. So let's dive into Kevin Biggio with these Profiles, I'll first start just by sharing um, the the line that the player put up um, in major categories. So in 2019, Biggio hit 234. 
with a 240 expected BA. Uh, that's based on StatCast data. Uh, a 364 OBP. He scored 66 runs in 430 plate appearances. That's good for a 15.3% uh, runs per plate appearance. The reason why I like to give the, the runs per plate appearance and not just the run total is for a guy like Biggio who may not have played a full season, I think that gives a better sense of, you know, um, uh, of, of how well he did just from a run scoring perspective. And also it helps us handle some smaller sample size, um, uh, some so smaller sample size folks. Uh, 16 home runs last year. Uh, that's a 3.7% home runs uh, per plate appearance for Biggio. Um, I'm going to integrate some new, uh, some new expected metrics because we've lost some since last year's episodes. And so for Biggio, um, I'm going to use uh, Max Freeze, who's an analyst that I respect a lot. He has an earned home run number that's just based on barrels. It's based on the strong correlation between barrels and home runs. Um, and so they have Biggio at a, uh, he has Biggio at a 16.25. Um, Max is at Max Freeze. Uh, if you're interested in following him, he's definitely a great follow to have. But he has him with those 16 home runs at 16.25 earned home runs. So right around where he should be. I'm also going to be integrating uh, Alex Chamberlain's deserved barrels into the, the analysis of StatCast. And one of the things that I think that is helpful, and Max actually I think did a good job of articulating this as we were, uh, we were DMing, was just like it's good to have some of these expected metrics that are somewhat similar in terms of what they use um, to calculate just to make sure that there aren't any major discrepancies between them. And so with Biggio, for instance, he hit 16 home runs. He had 16.25 earned home runs according, according to Max's formula. Um, and then with barrels, he had 4.9% barrels uh, per plate appearance. And then his deserved barrels was a negative 0.2% um, uh, uh, down from that and so pretty much equal and so the fact that both the earned home runs and the deserved barrels are pretty much in line with one another uh, makes me feel pretty confident that what he was able to produce uh, from those numbers um, is is a reflection of at least as close to a true talent level as we can get. Uh, 48 RBIs, that's 11.1% RBI per plate appearance. And then he had 14 stolen bases on 14 attempts, which is obviously awesome. A 3.3% uh, stolen bases per plate appearance rate right there. So really with Biggio, I think what, what excites people a lot is, number one, the low batting average, and the low batting average because people might be expecting some positive regression in that sense, although we don't really see it with the expected BA or when we dive into some of the other numbers, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, but I think it's mostly the power-speed combo. So 16 home runs, 14 stolen bases with a 100% stolen base success rate uh, in 430 plate appearances. When you uh, push that out to 600 plate appearances, that looks like a really nice... Um, 2020 season uh, for uh, for Cabin Biggio as a possibility for next year, and it certainly is. So I think that's where a lot of the interest in Biggio is coming from. Uh, his O swing is at 15.8%, which is elite, elite, elite. Uh, I believe it was the best number in all of baseball last year, and we saw that with his walk total at 16.5%. Now, one of the things that I'll point out is that O swing is really, really high. He's also very passive on pitches inside the zone. He has a very low swing rate, and so oftentimes we would expect his strikeout rate uh, because it's 28.6%. 
um, to improve based on some of the contact metrics I'm going to share. But because he's so passive, he takes a lot of called strikes. And so for that reason, I wouldn't expect the same level of regression. Uh, so the Z contact is at 85.6%. That's a slightly better than league average number there for Biggio, which is solid. And then his contact rate is also at 75.9%, uh, which is right around league average as well. So when he does swing, he makes contact at about a league average rate. But you know, his CSW, his called plus swinging strike rate is at 30.4%. That's about 2% worse than league average. And so that's why his K rate at 28.6% is higher uh, than we might anticipate based on the contact rate because he is so passive. He's taking a lot, a lot of called strikes. And so uh, for that reason, we I'm not going to expect his K rate uh, to drop down uh, too far from that 28.6%. I think it's about where it should be. Uh, his hard hit rate at 39.5% uh, um, is solid, slightly better than league average. I think where there's a lot of potential for Biggio is with his ground ball rate, 25.4%, one of the best numbers in baseball. He hits the ball in the air a lot. And so for that reason, you know, we might be looking at a guy who has some, some real strong power potential if he can improve in some areas. And those are areas that I'm going to address right now when we get into his StatCast data, because there's reason to be excited about Biggio in the StatCast data. And there's also a lot of reason to be pessimistic. Uh, about uh, Biggio in the StatCast data. So the 345 expected WOBA um, is uh, solid and right in line with his 343 WOBA according to um, the expected metrics in StatCast. Uh, the one thing I'll say about that is with the really high walk rate, you know, uh, WOBA factors in walk rate, it factors in quality of contact, it factors in um, strikeout rate. And so for that reason, you know, the, a lot of the the... Uh, the oomph, I guess you would say, for lack of a better word or even a word, um, is you know with that high OBP, that's going to be super helpful for his WOBA. So a lot of it does not come from quality of contact. And you see that with the barrel rate. 21 barrels last year, only a 4.9% uh, barrels per plate appearance. My preference is to use the barrel per plate appearance uh, metric uh, just because it factors in things like guys that walk a ton, right? Like if you walk a ton, you are going to... Um, uh, you are going to have fewer barrels per plate appearance because you are walking a lot, right? And while you know walking is helpful for getting on base and scoring runs, when we're talking about quality of contact and we're talking about home runs, I want to know how how uh, on a per plate appearance basis how how frequently somebody is barreling the ball up. Um, I believe his uh, barrels per batted ball event uh, number was around nine percent. Um, or 9.2%, but his deserved barrel rate was only 9%, so negative 0.2% um, deserved barrels, so a little bit lower uh, than um, his uh, deserved barrels. Um, so, and that's a stat, that's a stat from, uh, from Alex Chamberlain that takes it into consideration uh, launch angle and exit velocity and the distribution uh, of balls along the... Um, uh, exit velocity and launch angle to determine what uh, the deserved barrel rate that somebody um, has uh, had uh, was. Um, and so the idea here is that um, through uh, average launch angle and um, exit velocity, you should, uh, most of those batted balls will file on some sort of uh, normalized um, uh, 
uh, I don't know if curve is the right word. Uh, I hope I'm doing doing justice here. But if you have any questions, just read Alex's um, article. But essentially, like there's a standard distribution of balls within that that a normal batter will have. And so sometimes in some seasons, because of luck or unluck, a batter will be uh, you know higher on that and result in more barrels, or maybe lower on that and result in fewer barrels than maybe their true talent level. Uh, might point to. Um, and so, uh, you know, but Biggio was right in line where we, where he should be. Now, the major question mark for me um, for Biggio is with the next metric, and that is with his max exit velocity. Kevin Biggio's max exit velocity last year was at 104.6 miles per hour. This is horrendous. How bad was it? Out of 478 hitters, with 50 or more batted balls, he finished 450th. So essentially he is, what does that make him? Like, you know, uh, that makes him below the 10th percentile right there. Um, I hope my math is, is serving me well here, but um, below 10th percentile in max exit velocity. And I really think that that puts a big, a big uh, ceiling on his potential in terms of his batted ball quality because if he is if his max exit below is 104.6 right you would expect that with him hitting a bunch of balls in the air um, he also has the highest sweet spot uh, the second highest sweet spots percentage of anybody in baseball and that's uh, batted balls between uh, eight degrees of launch angle and 13 degrees or 31 degrees of launch angle Actually, it's 32 degrees of launch angle, sorry. Um, so essentially, like in like a good range of launch angles, he had the second highest number of balls, and yet his barrel rate was still so low, right? <coughs> and so for that reason, because his max exit velo is so low, you know, he really has to hit the ball flush in order to, to generate a barrel because the hardest he can hit it is at 104.6 miles per hour. So the span of launch angles that he can hit the ball in in order to barrel the ball up is low. And I really think that puts a limit on his power potential um, uh, for right now. Uh, I think it actually does so um, considerably. And when you look at you know the distribution of his launch angles, he actually hits under the ball a lot by over 10% above league average. And those are really weak uh, hit fly balls or pop-ups. And so that is also concerning. And one of the reasons I think, you know, his batting average may not improve to what people expect and his power may not hit uh, what folks think it could get to um, is because of that pretty poor batted ball quality data from a stat cast perspective. Again, you know, he hits the ball uh, in the air a lot and at really good launch angles a lot, but he just really lacks that, whether it's bat speed or whatnot, but he really lacks the ability to hit the ball really, really hard. So I think that's one of the things for Biggio that I, that I think about is, you know, when we think about why he might do well, um, maybe he lowers that launch angle and he's got fewer balls that he's getting under. And so he's hitting more line drives, he's getting more base hits, and that batting average goes up. I really don't see him hitting a ton of home runs because, um, you know, because of the, the limited power really, um, that he has based on those stat cast metrics. But I see that, that, that him popping up, if he can increase that batting average, um, which increases the OBP, he gets on base more, he steals more, you know, and he gets to that kind of 2020 range. I think, um, you know, that's kind of a, a best 
best, not a best case scenario, but you know, a better case scenario for him. I think the alternative to that is that he continues to struggle with the batted ball quality. You know, he does not hit as many home runs, especially if the ball is dejuiced a little bit. It may be even harder. Um, I do think that there's a little bit of. Um, he does have a little potential for a slight uptick in home runs just because he did not pull a ton of fly balls last year. And so that is not something that's predictive. So it doesn't really have a strong year-to-year correlation. And so um, more likely he'll kind of revert to the mean in terms of the league average there. Um, And so that is all to say, I think uh, Biggio on the upside, the batting average improves, the power is up a little bit, um, and he steals some bags for you. Uh, if if it isn't, then I think we see kind of a, another 2019 with possibly a little bit uh, of a batting average to to give on the on the floor side, um, and you know that that is still a pretty solid player. And so I think overall uh, there's a lot to like out of Kevin Biggio. I think what'll be a major question for him is you know is where he goes in drafts because right now you know he's kind of especially for these mock drafts that oftentimes use 2019 ADP instead of 2020 ADP. You know, he's going a little bit later, but once he's firmly on people's radar, once people dive in, I really expect him to kind of definitely be within the top 150 and potentially closer to and even within the top 100 because of that power-speed combination and the improving lineup that the Blue Jays have. When we look at his projection for next year, we only have Steamer right now, or at least I only have access to Steamer. Uh, and they have him as a 234 batting average again, 345 OBP, 71 runs in 565 plate appearances. So some regression down to 12.6% uh, for the runs per plate appearance, 19 home runs, 63 RBI, and 12 stolen bases in those 565 plate appearances. So, you know, again, it's a solid uh, projection overall from a power speed perspective, 19 home runs, 12 stolen bases. But again, a lot will depend on the value, right, uh, that, that he gets as the ADP pushes up because I really do think it is going to. And the last thing I'll note with Biggio uh, before signing off on him, and I have gone to my traditional 15-minute uh, profile here with Biggio, uh, um, is that when you look at his rolling trends, the only concerns that I have is, you know, there is some slight give, some decrease in the overall contact rate, overall contact rate and in the end zone contact rate, and the hard hit rate is also falling at the same time. And so the contact rate concerns me just a little bit more just because, you know, getting that strikeout rate any higher than the 28.6% right now is a little bit uh, concerning for him. And then I think... um, you know, the, the the decreasing hard hit rate is obviously, I think, uh, another concern given the limitations we've seen in the StatCast data so far. So overall with Biggio, I think a lot depends on where he ends up with ADPs. Um, but, you know, I think there may not be as high a floor on that power as we expected. Um, maybe a little bit of bump in batting average if he can lower that launch angle and get some um, some better batted balls maybe at the, the lower end of that uh, sweet spot trajectory that go for base hits and not necessarily home runs. But again, the major concern that I have with him is, you know, the very low max exit velo and what that means in terms of his ability to barrel the ball uh, and hits up for some power moving forward. All right. Profile number two is uh, Griffin Canning, starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels. 
Um, so Canning last year is first, another rookie uh, from last year. Uh, he threw 90 and one-third innings pitched uh, in 2019. Finished the season with a 4.58 ERA, a 1.22 whip, 96 strikeouts in those 90.1 uh, innings pitched, a 4.33 Sierra, and a 4.75 XFIP. The velocity on his fastball was averaged 94.28, um, which is solid. It's in the uh, it's in the upper half of uh, major league fastballs, so that's good news. His O swing was better than league average by about one percent at 31.9 percent. Uh, he did struggle a little bit with control, and we can see this. His first pitch strike rate at 57.8% is below league average for starting pitchers. His zone percentage at 38.3% is also below league average uh, for uh, starting pitchers. And then that, uh, for, for that reason, we're not surprised that his overall percent of pitches that are balls at 38.1% um, is uh, higher uh, than the major league average of 36.3%. And so the interesting thing is that isn't reflected in in his walk rate, which we'll get to in a second. And so that just shows that there may be um, a little bit of uh, regression coming his way when it comes to uh, that walk rate, that we may, may, may see an increase if the skills uh, remain the same. Uh, his in-zone contact rate at 84.3%, slightly better than league average or lower than league average, which is good for a starting pitcher. The swinging strike rate was really, uh, int- uh, really exciting, 13.8%. Uh, that is much better than league average uh, from a swinging strike percentage. And then his CSW was also much better than league average uh, by about 2.5% at 31.2%. Uh, That is very, very strong. Uh, His K percentage, not surprisingly, better than league average at 25%. That walk rate I mentioned, somewhat surprisingly, lower than league average at uh, 7.8%. And so, um, you know, for that reason, I think we might actually expect maybe a little bit of an increase in that strikeout rate, uh, given some of the underlying skills and maybe a little bit of an increase in that walk rate. But the overall K minus walk rate is encouraging at 17.2%. Now, remember, again, this is a fairly well-regarded prospect who is coming up and throwing in the majors for the first time. And I think compared to how a lot of prospects have done, he did, he did very well. And so, you know, with his development, it'll be interesting to see how that, um, you know, how that plays out. Uh, his BABIP last year, uh, 280 um, was his BABIP. Uh, his strand rate was at 73.2%. So the BABIP lower than league average for sure. Um, not a crazy number, but pretty low. Uh, left on base percentage right around league average as well. His home run per fly ball rate was actually uh, below league average. That's why you see the XFIP at 475, um, higher than his ERA. Uh, you know, whether or not he is actually you know, good at uh, suppressing home runs more than the league average, which was above 15% this year in terms of home run per fly ball. Uh, We shall see. It also depends a lot, I think, on whether the ball continues, because if the ball continues, we may expect to see a little bit of regression uh, in the home run rate for him. His expected WOBA was at 299 compared to a 312 WOBA. 299 expected WOBA is solid. It's not uh, spectacular by any means, but it's definitely solid. And he did uh, pitch, you know, the, the Woba was a little bit worse uh, than that 299 uh, expected Woba. So he got a little unlucky. And we see that in his um, expected uh, Woba on contact. So this is only balls that were put in play. The major league average is 370. Uh, Canning had a 373 Wobacon. Uh, so that's, again, Woba on contact. 
uh, but his expected Woba on contact was 347. So maybe a little bit of uh, bad luck when it came to uh, you know the batted ball quality that he gave up and the actual outcomes that uh, resulted from that. You know, not a massive gap, but a, a substantial one uh, for sure. When we take a look at the repertoire <coughs> for canning, uh, the fastball, uh, four seam fastball only. Uh, 8.7% swinging strike rate. Uh, you know, it's solid, not spectacular again for a for a four-seamer. 20.6% O-swing, uh, and then a 134 WRC+. Plus. So the pitch performed 34% uh, worse uh, than league average. The slider is really his best pitch. Um, it generates the most whiffs at 21.7% swinging strike rate. It also generates the highest uh, chase rate at 37.6%. And it had an WRC plus of 93. Uh, his curveball, 13.4% swinging strike rate. So kind of eh, 33.8% O swing, but a 29 WRC plus. And one of the things that stands out about the curveball um, is that it did generate the worst contact of all of his pitches. So it didn't generate the same number of whiffs uh, as his slider did, but it, uh, it did generate some poor uh, contact. I think it had the highest ground ball rate as well of any of any of his pitches around 54% if my memory is serving me uh, correctly. And so that's one of the interesting things when you look at the splits for Canning is that he struck out more right-handed batters uh, because of um, the slider, but the right-handed batters also had a higher WOBA against uh, Griffin Canning because um, the curveball was probably the preferred uh, breaking pitch to throw to lefties, and they were not making as as good of contact. So more strikeouts on the right-handed side, but also uh, better contact for right-handed hitters because that curveball really is uh, generating the worst contact, at least last year. Again, with some of this stuff, it's not necessarily predictive year-to-year, like expected WOBA, uh, for instance, but I provide it just as, a, as an example or as context for you know how batters did um, in... Uh, against compared to league average against uh, against a given pitcher, and then his changeup, his changeup had a thirteen point three percent swinging strike rate, um, which is okay. Um, uh, or it's not great, but thirty six point seven percent O swing, uh, but then a one hundred and thirty WRC plus again. So essentially, you know, it really got um, it really got hit around uh, last year. Uh, it got hit almost as hard as. Um, his fastball did. Um, so when we think about, for instance, um, Canning's pitches, so the curveball, I mentioned the 13.4% uh, swinging strike rate, league average for uh, that pitch in 2018 at least, uh, that's what we have thanks to Alex Chamberlain's great work, uh, was 13% you know, on that pitch, and so right around league average there, whereas with the changeup, a 16% league average was league average for the swinging strike rate on a changeup. So he did uh, worse, uh, worse there. So really, the slider curve are the two best pitches. The four seam is okay, right? It's not a tremendous pitch, but it's not getting getting absolutely destroyed. Um, and then the changeup was getting hit uh, pretty good there um, throughout the season as well with a one thirty WRC plus. All three of his breaking and off speed pitches, so the slider curve and chain, generated fifty percent plus ground ball rates. Um, which is solid. Uh, three quarters of his pitches, as I mentioned before, did, or, or I actually, I didn't mention this yet. Three quarters of his pitches did worse than their expected uh, WOBA on contact. And so 
you know, again, he was a little bit unlucky on expected Woba on contact, and that was the case across, you know, all four of his pitches, but really three out of the four um, had had a decent margin between them. So again, maybe a little bit of bad luck when it came to batted balls uh, compared to what exit velocity and launch angle would dictate um, for what we'd expect from them. Uh, the slider is definitely his best pitch. Uh, curveball generates the worst contact, like I mentioned, um, but it's not quite a plus pitch because it de- doesn't generate that swing and miss. I think that would be one of the major pieces where you would see a step forward from canning would be you know whether it's if he adds a little bit of velocity that makes the slider and curve better or he works on that curve um, in the offseason and um, and makes makes it get a little bit of swing and miss, giving him really uh, a two-plus pitches, two-plus strikeout pitches. Um, whether it means anything or not, you know, he does have, like I mentioned, above-league average fastball velocity. He's also got above-league average fastball spin rate, but his curve spin rate is below-league average, so that might be a place that he could work, you know, from a pitch design perspective in the offseason uh, and maybe see some improvements there because if he could get that pitch up to you know, say 15, 16% uh, on a swinging strike rate, that coupled with the slider, I think gives him, you know, two really good pitches to couple with that fastball. Um, and then, you know, who knows, maybe he makes a little bit of improvement on the on the changeup as well. And so I think that's where you see Griffin Canning. I think that's what's exciting about him is he does have, you know, three pitches that have, um, you know, double digit swinging strike rates, including the plus, the plus slider and the curveball that's generating weak contact. And definitely, I think, could be a pitch that, that uh, takes him to the next level at some point in time. But, you know, I, that isn't the case so far. And I think, you know, the reason why he may not do as well, maybe we see a little bit of uh, regression on that home run per fly ball rate. You know, that fastball um, is obviously... You know, it's not, it, it hasn't been uh, terrific. And so, you know, if it gets hit a little bit harder this year, uh, who knows? But I see the reason why people are really excited for Canning as a young guy who's got decent velocity um, and who's got this pretty decent repertoire for a young guy. I think the other concern has got to be injury. Obviously, he was shut down with, I think, shoulder inflammation last year. Um, he has never thrown a ton of innings. Um, even throughout his minor league career. And so durability is definitely uh, a major question mark. But, you know, going later in uh, drafts, you know, I could see where, you know, his upside is 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 definitely something that you would want to be uh, looking for. Um, in the two early mock drafts, uh, Canning was going at a 272 ADP. So I think if he stays around there heading into drafts, I think there's enough upside um, to kind of like him at that uh, particular spot. Um, and so hopefully he, you know, maybe adds a adds a little bit of velocity. I think those are the biggest things. Um, maybe a pitch mix change. Maybe he throws a little bit less of that, um, uh, of that change up or maybe that curve takes a step forward. I think those are some of the reasons why, you know, he might be better next year. Uh, in terms of his projection from Steamer, Steamer has him at 161 innings pitched. For next year, 166 strikeouts. And then a 440 ERA and a 129 WHIP. And again, you know, I don't put as much stock in uh, pitcher projections as hitter projections because I think the reason why a lot of pitchers take that step forward, you know, that increase in velocity, that pitch mix change, uh, a new pitch, you know, that kind of takes them to the next level. A lot of times, those are things that the projections can't. They well, it's not that they that they can't, but they just don't foresee that right because they're based on you know. Um, you know, both, you know, development curves, but then mostly, you know, past, uh, 
uh, past uh, production that a player has had. And so, you know, again, those are the things that you should be looking for with pitchers is that increase in velocity, the increase in um, or a new pitch or a change in pitch mix. But, you know, I think Canning's young enough where, you know, he could take a step forward with uh, some of the developments that I discussed uh, right there. That is going to wrap us up for episode 102 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Hope you enjoyed the first two player profiles of the 2020 season, Kevin Biggio and Griffin Canning. Uh, please do uh, let me know what you think of these profiles. I'm going to try to trim them down. Once I go through a few, I won't, be able, I won't have to provide as much context about why I'm providing numbers and can focus more on just sharing the numbers and a little bit about what, what my... Um, you know, what my analysis of uh, those numbers mean, um, but definitely want to make sure that these work for you. Uh, and so let me know uh, what you think of them. If you did enjoy this podcast, you've enjoyed podcasts in the pot in the past, please do leave a five-star rating and review. When you do that, please do uh, hit me up on Twitter, just tweet at me or hit me up in my DMs. Um, they are always open and uh, let me know which player you would like me uh, to cover in a subsequent podcast. And I will make sure that I do that. All right, thank you so much for listening. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.